Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, James, we are in off-season mode. How are you feeling? Are you feeling off-season-y? I do feel off-season-y. It's been incredibly nice outside, so I've been like working on the lawn and stuff, stuff like that. And not, uh, I've been watching some of the playoff games, but it's a bit different when the Leafs are playing, just like how uh, much of your time is consumed by, by the games at night. I would love it if the games, I know I've seen this complaint uh, out there before, but like it would be nicer if the game started a little earlier at the late game. But yeah, I mean, I I keep pretty late hours, so I don't mind it being on. the The trouble is if it's like if it's a ten o'clock start and it and there's overtime, it's like oh my god! <laughs> All of a sudden, it starts ruining your next day. Yeah. Now, can I ask you? I don't know this about you. Are you like a lawn guy? Like, are you standing out there like talking with the neighbors <laughs> about like seed and like? Your so lawnmower and all I, that stuff. I said this to my wife on the weekend. It's like, I don't know when it happened, but just a whole of a sudden now, you just, after a certain number of years of being a dad, there's just these things that start to happen to you that you don't really understand because I could not have cared less about stuff like that, like whatever, six or seven years ago. And now it's like, like I spent a lot of my weekend was like pulling the weeds and like, you know, like mowing the lawn and then using the weed whacker and making sure you get all the edges right. And then, you know, like it's, it's, I don't know. The lawn's become like one of my, I guess it's a hobby is the thing you would call it. Are you good at it or are you just like replacement level kind of serviceable? (laughs) I think, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really that well versed in everything like the fertilizers and everything. So I gotta, I need some more equipment and stuff like that. So there's going to be a trip to, to Home Depot or Canadian Tire here in my near future. All right. I think this is just what we'll talk about the whole podcast just because it is the off season <laughs> and whatever. We'll just, I tell you about- though, it's weird. Like, like you probably like think there's no way that'll ever be me. I'll never care about the lawn. And then once you have one and like, you're like proud of your little, and you know, like my kids are, my kids are three and seven and they're out there playing all the time. And if the lawn looks like crap and like they're stepping on all these weeds and whatever, it's like, it's not good. It's, it's part of your duty as a father to make sure that they're your three-year-old is not hurting their foot on a bunch of crap on the lawn. Well, so. and you don't really want to be that, that house on the block that has like the brutal lawn and it's just like a tire fire out there and brown grass and 
there's something really satisfying about, you know, at the end of the day yesterday, I, I said to my daughter, who's who's three, I was like, here, why don't you come and come have like a pop with me? And I gave her like a little orange crush and we sat on the deck and we looked at the lawn that she had, she was helping me. I was like handing her a weed and she would go through it. And there's something just very satisfying at the end of the day, sitting and looking at your nice lawn. <laughs> I know what you feel. I hear you. Um, well, so there's no perfect way to segue into actually talking about well, the leads in the off fertilizing the next season. Yeah, well, so the offseason obviously is underway. <laughs> um, already some business that the Leafs have taken care of uh, with Mark Giordano. We'll get, we'll get into that in a little bit. The two-year contract that he signed, a, a pretty good contract, obviously, below even... Like, we, we talked about him taking a discount. This was like a discount discount. Um, so we'll get into that. But, but let's start with, because we haven't talked since the end of season press conferences where we heard from Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubish, Sheldon Keefe, some of the players. Now that you've had some time to digest everything, how do you feel about the way that they kind of left things uh, a few days after game seven and, and obviously looking ahead to the off season? Well, we debated, we did a podcast after game seven on Sunday afternoon and, and we debated, are we going to do another podcast after Shanahan and, and Dubas and Keefe and the players talk? And then they did on Tuesday and we were like last last week and we were like well, I don't know if there's enough there <laughs> for us to like dedicate a whole show to talking about what they said I mean I don't think there really weren't there really weren't a lot of surprises there you know Shanahan came out right away and said that you know Dubas and Keefe are doing a good job and they're going to be they're going to be part of the future now I don't think that should have been controversial but there were there were some people in, in our market trying to kind of like stir some things up around that and how are they complacent with losing and all these kinds of things. I think the majority of people, you know, I, I, I put a poll out after after Shanahan said that and it was something like 82% of people that responded thought that that was the right decision. I mean, I think that most people that are thinking clearly, they can they can recognize that, that Dubas and Keefe did a pretty good job and should be back. Well, let's kind of go through both those things, and then I want to talk a little bit more about what they said, because I thought it was a little bit more interesting than it seemed like the perception was, um, but we'll get into that. So, obviously, there are some high-profile coaches available right now, Barry Trotz, Pete DeBoer, Joel Quenville is, is obviously out there. Jeff Blashill. Okay, uh, Mike sure. E- Mike Yo. Mike Yo. yeah, all right. You want to go through all of them? Do you have any others? Is that all of them? Uh, I know there are more, but I'm I'm drawing. There are more. Joel so Quenville. You did could mention him. I did. Um, so you <laughs> could say, well, should the Leafs pivot and and try to get one of those guys? I just don't really. I don't see it. Like you've been building now for two and a half years with Sheldon Keefe. The team has continually gotten better. Obviously, the the postseason result was not there, but it's like they they took Tampa to seven games. We just saw what happened with Florida in their series with Tampa sweep. I don't know that there was a reason at this point to change course with the coach. Did you, do you see any justification that those coaches are out there? Why not go get one of them? Well, I understand why people are saying that. I mean, they're, they're looking at, and it's kind of the question that Kyle Dubas was, was asked is that people are looking at the list of accomplishments of those coaches and comparing them to Sheldon Keefe and, and, and looking at, the team losing in the first round again and saying there's not really a comparison here. Like I, I totally understand that. I think there's a couple of things. I mean, 
you're committing to Kyle Dubas in the front office as the GM. So if you're Brendan Shanahan, you're not going to like undercut that and say, no, you have to, you can be the state of the GM, but you got to get a new coach. I mean, I think there's something to be said for the chemistry that there is in that front office and in, in the fact that Kyle Dubas wants that to be his coach. I mean, they really have only had two seasons together. There was the half season where Sheldon Keefe came in and basically rescued what a year that where it looked like it was going to be total disaster. I mean, we sort of rescued James. Remember how that season ended off? It it got away from them again. So it did put an asterisk on that. And then there was a Columbus series rescued in the sense that if it, if COVID didn't, wasn't a factor, they would have missed the playoffs, right? Is kind of the direction they were heading before Sheldon Keefe took over. Okay. He takes over. They win a whole bunch of games. Then, then they lost some games, then COVID happens, then they get the bubble and, you know, it was a really, really strange year. Um, the the biggest strikes I think against Sheldon Keefe. I mean, there are there are a lot of strikes in his favor. The other thing I was going to say, I, I said there were two things. The one thing is you want your GM to be able to pick their coach, and in this case, Kyle Dubas is going to pick Sheldon Keefe to remain his coach. The other thing is is the players all like Sheldon Keefe. You know, if you talk to some of the players, you know, behind the scenes, you know that they believe that he should be their coach. They believe that they can win with him. You know, there's. Not that that's the only thing that should play into deciding who your your coach should be, but the Leafs feel pretty good about kind of like the morale and everything around the team. They just haven't been able to get the results. Now, I think the strike against Sheldon Keefe is that there are some things that happened in the Tampa series that resemble what happened in some of the other playoff series. The biggest one being the power play, just not being able to get it done at, at the at the biggest moment of the season. And... I, you know, I mean, it's probably fair to say, Jonas, that that this coming season is going to be a really big one for Sheldon Keefe. I mean, I, I think, I think last year, this past year was really big for Sheldon Keefe as well, and I think he answered a lot of the critics and a lot of the questions, but he didn't answer all of them. And coaches just they don't have the same kind of lifespan in the NHL that GMs do. So I could, you know, I think this is going to be it's going to be a really important season for for Sheldon Keefe next year to really establish that he's going to continue to grow and make strides as a coach. Yeah, I think you hit on just about everything. I think the the other strike maybe against him from that series is the way he decided to start it uh, in terms of playing some of those those guys in the fourth line to try to bring an edge. And I, and I think he, I, I remember at one point he referenced that and actually thought it served its necessary purpose. Now, I would argue it, it cost them a game in terms of some of the penalties that those guys take took and obviously Kyle Clifford in game one takes the the five minute penalty and they kill it off and they get momentum so it doesn't burn them but it was like could have cost them game one as well well and they adjusted and moved off that strategy relatively early in the series so I thought he had a good year like I don't know how you could look at that year and say that wasn't a positive year from the head coach but like you're saying like one of the questions I, I remember we got constantly throughout the year was like, what's going to happen if this happens again and they don't get it on the first round? I think another year like that, and it, who knows what will happen, but there would be change. Like, they're going to have to, yeah. I don't know, like, it's, it's hard to say that because it feels like we've been saying that every year. Well, no, I think, you know, when we were getting that question during the season, I mean, people can go back and listen to some of the shows and look at some of the articles that we've written. But I think we, what we said, Jonas was, is it's going to depend what it looks like. Like, I mean, it, you know, we said it, you know, if you play Florida or Tampa in the first round and, 
and it's a it's a close long series and you know they lose because you know Vasilevsky's better or whatever then you're really going to start firing everybody i mean i think that was kind of what we said and that's sort of the way that it played out yes i i think that's right and and i think one thing i've been thinking like as time has gone on and we've gotten further away from game 7 is a lot of the stuff that we talked about just like really minor what seems like minor stuff or like stuff around the margins in a series that close, like that kind of is the difference. Like the fourth line, the power play, like the fourth, the power play is obviously a major point, but even the fourth line just getting outscored and outplayed like it did, the series was like so close. Like the series was decided basically by a goal, and the Leafs actually scored one more goal than Tampa. Those little things kind of end up deciding the series, which kind of brings me to the GM. I wrote about this. You wrote about this. Like, I don't know how, again, like it, it's not that dissimilar from Sheldon Keefe, except that the tenure is a little bit longer. I don't know why you wouldn't bring back Kyle Dubas after the progress that they made last year. And now some, somebody might say, well, what progress? Like they still were out in the first round, but like there's so much underneath the hood that looks like it's moving in the right direction that they've adjusted and that they did well. What do you think of, the obvious statement that Chel- or that Brendan Shanahan made at the start of that press conference where he basically said these guys are coming back, Kyle Dubas yeah. included. Like I said, I, I don't think that should catch anyone by surprise. I mean, it, it would have been, I would have been very surprised if they did, you know, start cleaning house after the season that they had. And, you know, I, I think that the outcome looks a lot different if the season looks different. I mean, they largely had a really good season. They were four wins away from being the President's Trophy winners as the best team in the NHL. I mean, they're, and it's not like they're a team that's done that year after year. You know, we're not talking about a team that's been the fourth best team in the NHL for the last five or six years. We're not talking about a team that, you know, I think sometimes people feel like, well, you know, Kyle Dubas inherited. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. So, you know, he's he's really had a lot to work with. I mean, the team had major, major flaws when he took over. Major, major issues with their cap construction that they had to repair. That first season I talked about where Sheldon Keefe took over midseason, you're talking about a young GM taking over his first NHL team, a coach he doesn't want and who doesn't want to work with him to be the coach. You're talking about a team that you have players like Patrick Marlowe making six and a half million dollars and basically being a fourth line player. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev had six years left on his contract at four and a half million and probably at best is like a number four defenseman. There were, there were a lot of, and then you look at what had happened in the draft before Kyle Dubas was, was named GM and it wasn't pretty. So, you know, your development system isn't there. Your prospect pool isn't there. You've got some bad contracts on the books you have some huge contracts coming for young players that you're going to need to sign that that probably should have gotten done sooner than when you were put in charge of having to get them done. There were a lot of things that were working against them. So you go from from that point to where they are now, there's been linear upward momentum both the last two off seasons. The charge to Kyle Dubas is go do it again, you know. Take this team, make this team even better than they were this year and solidify some of those you know, the, you're talking about like the areas around the edges, make some of those areas stronger, and then maybe you do beat Tampa in a series like that a year from now. Yeah, I, I guess if you're looking at the strikes against him and his time as GM, which isn't that long, like you wrote on the fourth year anniversary, 
you mentioned all the stuff he had to do. I guess the strikes against him are obviously the playoff success has not been there. You'd look at the Kadri trade. You'd probably look at as one that they'd like to have back. And yet, like Kerfoot has become like a valuable player. The trade wasn't a win, but like the trade is not a total loss. A trade's just going to be hard to talk about and like defend and just you know you look at what Kadri's doing in the playoffs and. Yeah. He's with the he's with the best team in the league, playing the way that he is. I mean, we all knew Kadri had that potential, and the the tough thing is that it feels like his trade value is lower than what how good he was and how high it should have been. And maybe part of that's on the Leafs too, right? Like they played him in the third line that year, and like his production was where it was. It's yeah, but who are you playing him ahead of? Remember their two centers at that point. I mean, the, yeah, the, but argument- the Leafs constructed their lineup that way. So, like, it, you diminish the asset of the player, and then when it comes time to trade him, and you're like, "Oh, he's diminished." Was it? Well, you like they decided that they decided to sign John Tavares is basically what they decided, um, and that changes the course. And obviously, that was one of Kyle Dubas's first moves as GM. Um, the other thing I don't think that they've gotten right throughout his time is is obviously in goal. You you would look at the Jack Campbell trade and say that is something that they got right in, in goal because at that point Jack Campbell was just this former first round pick who was basically a backup who hadn't established himself in the NHL. They trade they trade some stuff for him uh, and then he becomes something more valuable but I mean that's another year where their goaltending was like uneven and obviously the Peter Mrazek contract is just not good at this point. Look at like when's the last time the Leafs had two really solid goalies that you believed in like it feels like it's been a long long time two oh man i don't know i mean the anderson years like that was at least stability in some sense and obviously he no had but the backups off. were but the oh, backups, backups were always were in yeah that's what i mean like that's why you know the the best teams you usually have was the last year they had two goalies that were okay like bernier and reimer maybe one of those but years those guys were like those guys weren't Either of them were not in the top 15. Like, those were like two just okay options. Like that, James? Just okay? Huh? The, um, no. like, if you look at just the save percentage for the the backups in Toronto the last, I mean, even under under Dubas's ten, tenure, it's it's really, really bad. I mean, the, the Michael Hutchinson, the Garrett Sparks, uh, now Mrazek, uh, you know, and, and I mean, Mac, I guess McElhaney was the last time they had a backup that you felt okay about. Oh, man. And he's not like he's like he's an 18. He's barely on that games. Right. Yeah. And so like I wrote about their offseason like priorities and stuff that they need to accomplish. That is the biggest thing. And, and I don't know what they should do. I think it's a really interesting decision. Like I'm going to write about this at some point. I'm not sure it's like a slam dunk to to pay Jack Campbell. I I, I don't know. Like I got to kind of dig more into it. What what what's your stance on that at this point? Well, I don't think anyone thinks it's a slam dunk. I mean, I I think that I think what you want to do is force Jack Campbell to make a difficult decision and take less money to stay. You know, like it, I I assume that Jack Campbell can go and sign with New Jersey or a team like that or something and get more term and more dollars than what the Leafs can give him, and that's going to be. I think you have to force them to make that decision. Like the Leafs can't afford to be out there trying to outbid teams that have more cap space that are further down the standings for Jack Campbell. It doesn't make any sense. So if he can get five by five from, I mean, New Jersey's the team that comes to mind because need it, or, or you know, Edmonton's going to need a goaltender. There's a bunch of teams that that are going to need goaltending, and I just don't think it makes sense for the Leafs to spend as much as some of those teams are going to be willing to do. 
If he's getting five by five, I'm saying see you later. That's what I exactly. I mean, I think that if I'm the Leafs, it's like I think like around four million is is my my ceiling. Well, I was going to ask you if, if, and and this actually even feels high. I mean, if would you offer Jack Campbell the Frederick Anderson contract that that he just got last summer from Carolina, which was two by four point five? That's not too much. That won't be enough, John. Well, he's not going to get a two-year contract as a UFA. I mean, Anderson did. Yeah, but Anderson was coming off a year where he had been hurt and hadn't played in the playoffs. And I mean, look at look at what Campbell has produced. I mean, he was at the All Star game. Who had the longer track record? Like Cam Anderson had been a, a pretty good goalie, a top fifteen goalie for like five years. I don't. You think it's realistic that Campbell's going to get a two year contract out in UFA? I don't think so but uh, based on some of the contracts that were handed out last year the answer would be no but i mean anderson that's what anderson got and like i know what you're saying but it's not trajectory matters though jonas like anderson went for he had a track record but he had had a you know a poor season leading up to the ufa a great season well he didn't have as bad a season as anderson had all right he didn't I mean, Campbell, for like Anderson three, lost his starting job to Campbell a year ago. For like going three into, months, going he in, was literally going like into the free least agency goalie in the league. But but if you lose your starting job and you have injury concerns, and then you're not signing a that's why that's why Anderson got two years. Campbell, like I think there's going to be some teams that are willing to give Campbell quite a bit. I mean, he's going to get more than Mrazek got last year. You would think so, yeah. Especially, yeah. But I think sort of- I think Campbell's in line for like four point something over four years is probably what his contract looks like. Well, I don't like long deals. The tough thing for the Leafs is like, do you take? Is it like the devil you know or the devil you don't know kind yes, of thing? With, that's goal, the with the question. You know, yeah. I mean, you're gonna would you just gonna like spin the wheel and like who's the other goalie gonna be? We're gonna get into that at a later date, so I will save that. Um, it's part of the equation, though, right? Like, if there's like a For bunch, sure if, yeah. if there was a whole bunch of goalies going to free agency that you really like, you might be like, "Yeah, we're okay." I wonder if the Campbell thing goes right to free agency before we figure out if he's the Leafs goalie or not. I mean, if I'm him, that's what I would do. I don't know unless the Leafs make some unbelievable offer, which, or unless he just really, really wants to stay and like he he seems like a pretty loyal guy. Like I could see him taking quite a bit less to stay. You know, they could say to him like, "Look at Spezza and look at Giordano and like look at." You know, all these good. Why don't if you know if you want to be here, we're going to need you to do something like that. And I could see Campbell potentially doing that. What is that? Four by three, something like that. Yeah, I wonder if it's like four by four or something like that. Like that's probably that's a discount from what he'd get in free agency. Ugh, four years. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's because it's UFA, right? Like, and he's not that old. Can I just bring you back to one thing? Sorry to get up back off this topic, which I brought up. But I thought it was interesting after the Bruins season ended that Cam Neely basically wasn't wouldn't confirm whether Bruce Cassidy would be back. Now I think he said um, that it was the GM's decision; it wasn't his decision. But like he brought up the Bruins power play, and it's just well, like kind of like threw him under the bus a little bit. They did, and like I think of Bruce Cassidy as like a great coach, and it's just interesting that there is a little bit of a contrast in terms of what the Leafs did, and yet I I understand what the Leafs said, like. This idea that you're just supposed to make, like Brendan Shanahan said it, and I know some people took that and spun it their own way, but 
to make change just to make change is is silly. And I know they could do that. Like they could come out and just say, we're just going to change everything because like it hasn't worked and do stupid things. And like, I don't know what that would accomplish. Like just to please people in the market. I don't know. Well, I mean, if you do it because you legitimately believe that some of these coaches that are available are going to do a better job, then then you're not doing your job if you don't do it, right? Yeah. Then it then it's not just change for change's sake. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Boston Cassidy's been there a long time, right? So, sort of. And it could be like Boston is just thinking like, you know, our window is like closing really quickly here. Maybe we just got to like throw trots at this and see if it helps. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, how, let me see how long Cassidy has been there. He has been there since... I was going to say eight years? Six, no, he's took over 16, 17. So yeah, not, not far off. But, I mean, look at it. Look at their success. Like, I mean, they haven't won, but like they went to the finals. They went to the Eastern Conference finals another year. Well, you don't win and your job security as a coach in the NHL is... I mean, look at all the coaches that are... Look at the resumes and stuff of people that have lost their jobs. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about from that end of season avail is I left that game seven. And I think you did too, because you wrote about it. I wrote about it thinking like they should. And this was kind of a commonly held assertion by a lot of people that they should really just bring this back for the most part with like there, some things around the edges that they need to fix. Obviously, their goaltending, deciding what to do with Jake Muzzin. And yet I kind of came away from their end of season press conference thinking that that's not as sure a thing as I thought it would be. I thought they were a little bit more, not evasive is the wrong word, but a little bit more gray about that stuff than they had well, been in the past. Like they seemed to seemed more open to contemplating a, a bigger change to their core, but like a core could mean so many different things. Like a core can mean like your core can include Jack Campbell. It can include Jake Muzzin. Did, did any of that you strike sh- you the same or no? I don't know if you should ever box yourself in and say that this is what we're going to do. And this is especially like two and a half days after your season ends. I mean, they really hadn't had. It's not like they had planned out what their offseason was going to look like and what their team was going to look like. You know, and I, I think that with the way that their salary cap picture is playing out. It's just, James, they did that literally last year. They, they yeah, came I out know, and said, but- we are bringing it back. I think you. I think you said in your story though. Part, part of the reason they did that is because like they were, everything was like on fire and like yes, people were gonna fair. people were losing their minds and they had just had like a disastrous three games in losing a playoff series to a division rival. And it was. But 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 James, like it, the counter to that would be if ever there was a time where you need to say we're gonna look at everything. Like we just lost to a we just had a three one lead and lost to a worse team. We're gonna look at everything. Like if ever there was a time to say. What they said yeah. the other day, it was last year, not this year. I prefer the strategy to say, to be more vague about what you're going to do, right? Like, because you don't know what's going to happen, right? So why take a stand and say, these people are all safe or whatever? Like, it doesn't, and I and I think that that is what they did this year. And I think it makes sense. I mean, like, if they get some offer for William Nylander, or if there's, I, I don't know, I mean, it's we're speculating, right? So, like, I don't want to just like throw a whole bunch of things against the wall here, but it, it's only you and I are working on a story that's going to talks about like untouchables and which players could potentially move and which ones won't. And the untouchable, untouchable list on the leaf should be really, really short. Yes. It should be three players. 
That's what we currently have on our list. Do you want to say who those three players are? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. You, can say if, you can say if you want. I mean, it's... I mean, Matthews. obviously, Matthews, Marner, and, and Riley, who is signed until 2030. This is in the story because you gave me the Riley write-up to do for some reason. Yep. Um, so I put it in there. Riley. So Riley signed an eight-year contract that starts next year. The first six years of that, I believe, have a no-movement clause. So he has a no-movement clause until July of 2028. Maybe it's five years. Ooh. Anyway, he has a no-movement clause for a long, long time. And if he plays, let's say he he's health, stays healthy and he plays 80 games a season for as long as that no-movement clause runs, he's going to have played more than 1,000 games as a leave. So yeah, he'll it, be one it, of the the top. Like he'll be right near the top. The, right, there's a possibility that Riley on this next contract can become the most games played ever as a Maple Leaf. Yeah. In other words, untouchable. As I put in the story, these you're pretty untouchable if you have a no <laughs> movement clause for six years. Yeah, and you just signed a contract like I. Well, in a contract like where you took less than you probably would have gotten on the, on the open market, longest serving leaf, all that stuff. Not to say that no one with a no movement clause can get traded. Yes. But. All right. Well, let's. So we're going to get into the pod bag in a little bit. Let's take a break because there's a couple more things from the offseason priority stuff that I want to get into. And then we should talk about Giordano. And then we will get into the pod bag. So let's take a break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, James, let's keep going through some interesting decisions for the Leafs in this this offseason. Losing my train of thought. Um, so I think one of the interesting subplots um, is what's going to happen with John Tavares. And it's a weird subject, and we touched on this a little bit last week, just because... They're not going to signal what they're going to do with him, I don't think. Well, like they're not going to. It's, it's a weird situation. Like, we put together our untouchable list, and he's not on it, but he's the captain, and he makes $11 million a year, and he's got a no movement clause. It's like, okay, I had to. Yeah, I think you gave me that right up to do, too. I did. I, like, I did a good job of giving you some tough ones. What the hell do I do with this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, he's not untouchable, but like, he's sort of untouchable ish. Yeah, and, and so they were asked, um, Kyle Dubas, Sheldon Keefe were asked about John Tavares at the end of season press conference. It's just a really hard thing to ask about knowing that they're they're just not going to really say anything. Like, they're not going to say, man, we need to move this guy to the wing. But what do you, how do you think they handle this? Like, do you think it's it's kind of what, I mean, we've been talking about it for years now that this is eventually going to happen where they're going to have to move into the wing. Do you think that's, do you think they would have decided that at this point? Do you think they're going into the off season? Like we need to find no. a center or like, how do you think you handle this? I think, that? I think, I think you have like long meetings and conversations with him about 
where he's at and how he feels about it. And cause you don't want to, I think you want to say like, will you contemplate doing this if we can get another center or if we want to try Marner at center or whatever. Yeah. I think I that's mean, the, right. al- the alternative for the, the Leafs is like, <laughs> it's one thing to have a conversation about moving someone to wing. The other conversation is like, will you waive your no movement clause? Yeah. Will you give up the captaincy? I mean, there's there's worse conversations they could be having with John Tavares. Yeah, and and I don't think it should be like a, that huge a deal. Like, obviously, he's played his whole career, I believe. Like, I don't think he played the wing in those early years with the Islanders. Like, he's played the no. wing when for, when he was with Team Canada. He played the wing, but like he's been a center his entire NHL career. But it it, it seems clear to me that well, I don't think you can do. I mean, I guess you could do it again. It's not like they were like. It was like a total disaster um, last year. It just got worse and worse and worse where consistently his lines were being outplayed. It happened in the playoffs. It happened in the second half. It happened last season. At some point, like you you can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results, especially as he continues to get older. Well, and I think the league is like moving in a direction like some of this isn't John Tavares' fault. Like the league is just getting faster and younger and like the demands on the centers are becoming really, really much about skating and, and speed and yeah. and puck, puck handling too. I mean, the thing too is that Tavares is getting caught when he's handling the puck a lot through through the neutral zone, coming out of his own end. I mean, there were a number of times, I, th- I think we talked about it on the last show, but he was like he would get the puck on the power play and, and turn it over. And then, you know, the pucks get dumped down to the other end of the ice and it's, it was limiting what the power play could do because he was turning the puck over. And, you know, so I think it, it should at least be, maybe it won't work. Like maybe they'll try him on the wing and it won't work and they'll have to put him back to the middle. But I think at least it can be a different look that, that Sheldon Keefe can go to. And it can be something where they either look to acquire another center or a winger who can play center or they they try one of the guys that they've got there yeah i think i think you just need more versatility and and we've seen that like tampa is obviously the shining example of so many things and that's something they they do really well like they just have a bunch of guys who can kind of bounce around and point can play the wing you can play center stamkos rally Kalorn can play the middle too right like you just move guys around if there's injuries or if like something's not working and there you go yeah all right, that was the only other thing from the priorities that I really wanted to talk to you about. And we'll talk about that more throughout the offseason, obviously. We'll see what they do in free agency. We'll see trades, anything like that. So let me ask you this, Jonas, as we yeah. go. Like, your gut, does it say that, like, do you think anything happens with any of, like, the core, I would call it, like, the core five? Like, it seems like they're all going to be back, right? Like, it would almost be shocking if if not. Yes. I, like there's like a a feeling like I've had, and I told you this like after game seven that that maybe it's not as like secure, and I have nothing to base this on. It's just like a, just a feeling. Like ninety five percent is that too high? Ninety percent. The one thing that gives me a little bit of pause with with some of the like there some of these contracts are going to start to be running out. Like you know we've talked about this I think before, but like Nylander. Nylander's got two years left on his deal. Are you going to be able to resign him? If not, you probably should trade him before that point. Yeah, well, and if like there's like his value right now would be its highest, right? Like he's coming off his best year statistically. Yeah. 
it can be hard to trade guys when there's just one year left on their deal. That that's the only thing that gives me pause is that with you can see the end of the contract is is what I would I would look at at least a little bit. Yeah, and yet the tough thing with that is like if you were to trade Neilander, I mean the first part of the question is like what are you trading him for? Like are you trading him for a forward? Are you trading him for a defenseman? Like what like what are so what is how is your team getting better? Because if you're taking your third oh, best goalie. Maybe goalie, but then like then you look at their forward group and it's like, yeah, you're like you're taking away your third best offensive player basically, who's only continuing to get better, and then like you're going to have John Tavares continuing to get older. Like, how are you actually getting better? Like, I know and you know this. I think they would have been like, I don't think they ever wanted to trade Neilander, but like I, I think they would always be contemplating trades that would get them a better player. And like if Neander could get them a better player, I think they would trade him. I just don't know what that looks like and who that player is. If that yeah. makes sense. You know, like it's well, and it's, it's important really, that they contend these next two years. It's more important that they contend than they worry about yeah. asset accumulation three years from now or whatever. Yeah, it would be different like if they were bad. Like in baseball right now, do you know the, do you know who Juan Soto is? Probably not, right? Well, I, I I know the name. Okay, well, he's like unbelievable. Like he's like Austin Matthews, basically, as a baseball player. But the Nationals suck, and he he's gonna his free agency is coming up not that long from now, and he's gonna get like the biggest contract like ever, like like four hundred million maybe. And so like there's talk like maybe the Nationals trade him because they suck, and like he's gonna want more money than they're gonna want to pay, and so maybe they trade him. This is is obviously different, and the other thing is like Neander outperforms his contract. So like it's thorny, but he's like really the only guy you could see besides Tavares. And you mentioned the hurdles with that. So yeah, it seems like that group's coming back. I mean, yeah, it, it feels like it would be more like the outer core, right? The next group. Yeah. Well, I think there is going to be changes to that group for sure. What is that called, James? Like you're good with like science. Like, what is that layer of the Earth called? Like, there's the inner <laughs> one, and then there's the next. We should. We need to ask my son. Yes, I was going to say he, he'll know for sure. He would. He would know for you, and he would have a long explanation about it. So, right now he's talking about like, the different layers of the sun and stuff. I don't know what the hell he's talking about half the time. <laughs> All right. So obviously, uh, before we get to the pod bag, we should talk about Mark Giordano coming back to your deal, one point six million. Are you surprised it was that low? Like that that's like barely above the minimum. Yeah, I was going to say Jonas like if you're going for that low, why don't you just sign for the minimum? Like what's what's the difference? It's like why? well, I don't know. Like it's like I'll take a what? discount for like not I'll take that less. Much. Yeah, but I won't I, w- I won't take 750. Will you take 800? Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> it's like what? why? You know, it's bets is like right at the minimum. Why don't you just take the minimum? I thought I had him penciled in when I did the cap sheet last week. I thought, what's the most I think he would get to stay in Toronto? And I had him at like just under two million. I thought, oh, well, that's going to be a discount, but it's a pretty low contract. Um, there had been rumors that he was going to take a discount to stay, but you know, and, and Elliot Freeman reported that originally they were talking around a million dollars, and then Giordano said, you know what, just give me less. It's like I don't. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't they just set it to the minimum? I mean, it's it's an inconsequential amount of money either way. But you know, Giordano came out and said, basically, you know, I've had a, a blessed career. I've made a lot of money. I think he's made over sixty million in his career. Uh, but it, it with how many minutes he was able to play and how effective he was, it's pretty big to get a player that good for eight hundred grand. 
Well, what do you think? So I was going to ask you this because I'm writing about him this week. What do you think he would have gotten on the open market? If he just went for the most money, I think he he's kind of, I think he's still like at least like a $3 million player. Don't you? He's yeah, still pretty good. I, I think at least. I mean, I was just looking through some of the contracts that got signed like last offseason to inferior players, younger players, but inferior Let me players. bring up what Dom's uh, player card says he's worth. Just looking at last offseason, like Ian Cole, who's younger, got one year, 2.9. Tucker mm-hmm. Poolman, which is a bad contract, got four years, 2.5. Uh, what does this say? Oh, I can't even read my writing. So Dom's model has Giordano last season being worth six and a half million dollars in value. I oh, you know, yeah. So like, so the the other guy who actually I had, Alec Martinez. I don't think it was. I think it was in the season, but he got three years, five point two five. Yeah, five point two. That's a goofy contract, though. But, but like yeah, they're I mean, in the same ballpark, basically. So like he could have gotten way more. The difference, though, Jonas, is he's thirty nine, right? Like it's like yeah. thirty nine is old. It's old. Hockey. Yeah, it it it's it's old for most many things. Well, <laughs> maybe not in life. It's like I always love that. I think we brought it up on the podcast the the scene from Knocked Up. Like it's you're not too old for the world. You're just too old for this club. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Doesn't the bouncer say something like, "You're fine, but you're <laughs> yeah, but you old. You're not too. You're not too old for the world. <laughs> yes, you're just too old for this club." I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Good movie. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, so I think there are a lot of implications, obviously, to that contract. I like, I like bringing him back. I like what he offers. I think he he basically can do just about anything like he can i think there's a conversation to be had as to whether he should be on their number one power play unit he'll obviously kill penalties i think he's insurance in some ways just like he was when they traded for him for jake muzzin depending on what they decide to do with him um if they decide to bring him back he's insurance if they don't he's insurance well and obviously like you could just see them starting next season with a third pair of giordano lilligren like it's too bad he's not a right shot, right? That's really what they needed with yeah. with a player like that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, if he's on the third pair with Logren, I mean, they, they look so good together. I mean, why wouldn't you give that another shot? Yeah. You know, and what it, what it does is, you know, in the the cap story I wrote last week, I talked about how if you feel confident that Logren, Sandine, Giordano are all going to be parts of your top six, and you've already got Riley and Brody, that's a lot of the pieces, and it frees you up potentially to A, trade Muzzin and or B, trade Justin Hall and spend that cap room elsewhere and have a blue line that's really not making a lot of money. Yeah, and maybe that helps you get a goalie and helps you get a center. Well, two goalies. Two goalies, yeah. Well, three goalies, James. The Hutchinson era is ending, I think. He's a UFA. Yeah, I think some people would be okay with Shalgren and Wall being the three and four, but mm. it's not the worst idea to look for more stability there. Yeah. That's the only other thing I meant to ask you is like, I started having this thought that if you were going to make a case for changing the core, and I don't know what you wanted to find that as again, but you got really, like you had a really good season you had most parts of that core play pretty well and you still came up short. Like, do you need to do something to, 
to change like the mix of what you have. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's the only other thing. Well, I think they're going to. That's, yeah, that, that's why the the idea that it's either run it back or blow it up is really stupid. Because stupid, yeah, <laughs> it's not what's going to happen. You know, it, when you have a hundred and fifteen point team, you don't blow it up. But when you don't have success in the first round of the playoffs multiple years in a row, you also don't run it back. There's going to be some sort of, they're going to run back some of it. But, you know, I am expecting that there's going to be elements in goal that are going to be different. There's going to be elements on the top four on D that are going to be different. There's going to be elements in the top six forwards that are going to be different. That's what I think. I would agree. All right. Let's take a break and then let's get to the pod bag. All right, James, it's your favorite time of the show. It's time to get some questions. A reminder. Not as many, not as many questions as we normally are accustomed well, to, Jonas. We are in the off season. It's off season mode. I remind you, James, to eat local. We ate we went to dinner at a spot called Gia, a vegetarian restaurant, which was like unreal. They made like this meatball, which wasn't meat, but tasted like meat, which was so yummy. Um did you have you had any good outings? My family, we were down in the beaches, and we went to the uh, Stone you know Lion. That, no, no, they have that uh, that burger hut, like outside on, uh, like near the water. Oh yeah, it's a good spot. That's where we went. We had dinner there on uh, on Saturday, and it was like twenty five degrees, and it was it was amazing. That's and now they, they they serve beer and wine and everything there too. So. You're just like sitting outside on on the beach having a. It was good. It was a good burger. Do you mean that spot that's like in the middle? Like it's between the yeah. park, basically. Oh, I love that spot. They have good ice cream yeah. too. Yeah, where the ice cream spot is. Yeah, I recommend nice. people go there. Go there and have a. I it's I think it's called like Beaches and Cream or something like that. Yeah, but I now love they, the they beaches, got, man. They had hot dogs and burgers and fries, and like my, my kids were, my kids were impressed. I think that's going to be a regular destination. So. Do you think the beaches are underrated or do you think like they're properly rated? I think like there's, I think it's so great there. I guess people know I'm, about it. It's I'm pretty biased, busy. Jonas. I've lived over here for eight years. So it's, I mean, we, we've, I remember, you know, when we bought our first house, we like went to the, we were sitting in the beaches and, and, and I have like so many like personal memories there. Like I remember my wife told me that she was pregnant when we were at the beaches one time and like. Wow. It's just like, we just love it there. We the kids love it there. So I think it's underrated for sure. You got a segue from that? No, I was just going to let you take over. That was such a lovely sentiment. I, I wanted you to just lead right <laughs> well, into Well, I was questions. just there on the weekend. I was like, oh, it's just like nice being here. Every time I go there, I'm like, this place is awesome. Like it's beautiful. It's It's got like a, you kind of feel like you're outside the city, but really you're inside the city. You can bike, you can walk, you can run, you can swim. I think when people think of Toronto, if people listen to this podcast that aren't from here, they don't think of like areas like that. I mean, it it almost feels like you're in like Vancouver or something to me. Yeah. Well, and if you go to the island and if you go to one side of the island, you don't even feel like you're in Toronto anymore. Like you just look out and it's like you could be anywhere. Anyway, question time. Gotta, what do you got? Then you got to line up and take that dumb ferry back, which I yeah. hate. <laughs> oh, you could sw- you could swim across if you wanted. It's too cold. All right. Jake says, uh, does Tampa sweeping Florida change your perspective on the Leafs' early exit? You? I know what you're going to say. You're going to say no. How did you know? Oh, you know I me just, well. 
I can just tell. <laughs> I know what the Jonas take on that one would be. I would say it affects it maybe a little bit. I mean, it just shows how impressive a team Tampa is. You know, I watched a lot of that series, and Florida really, really struggled to gain much traction against them. And I think that maybe partly what it shows is that Florida wasn't as good as their record was this year. I mean, their record was inflated by a lot of three-on-three play, and yeah, they had they had a lot of situations where they racked up some of those wins that. And the thing too is I think that that Tampa's record was maybe deflated a bit and that you know the the regular season didn't matter less to them they had some injuries. I think what it what it says is that you know we came into the series with the Leafs where the Leafs were the fourth best team in the league and Tampa was the eighth best team but that that wasn't really actually how good the the teams were and Florida, you know, on paper is the the best team in the NHL. I don't think so. Yeah, they they got my vote for what did we have? We had that athletic poll where it was like, was it most overrated team? Whatever it was, they got my vote. Is this right? Like, I'm looking at the stats. Did they score three goals in four games? They struggled mightily to produce offense. So the sure. Leafs scored 24 goals in seven games. And I, the way I'm looking at it here, Florida had three in four games and they were the highest scoring team in the league. Tampa's good. I mean, like, Tampa's I really think, good. I think that that solidifies even more what. Shanahan and Dubas are saying that like you know that it's a good team the Leafs have a good team I did yeah. you see my tweet after the after the lightning swept the Panthers it was I, I, did I, not. Got, I got quite a response I said something a lot I said something along the line something snarky along the lines like it it's going to take a special team to push this lightning team to the limit or something like that <laughs> <laughs> pretty good making a clear reference uh, some people no, didn't get it but. no puns were there any puns no, it wasn't a pun. It was just like a really I was trying to be I was trying to be clever. Uh Will wants to know with Giordano resigning, does it make it more likely that Muzzin is going to be traded or or Sandine or Lilgren? Uh will they try and keep all seven around for depth? The problem with keeping all seven is are there enough minutes to go around? I mean, I guess you could just trade Hall and put Sandine on the right side. That would be what you could do. Yeah. I like Hall probably more than most people. I just don't know if it makes sense to spend $2 million on a guy who might not be in your top six. Well, no, Regular. I mean, it, it lots of teams right? don't even spend $2 million on guys that are playing on the third pair. You know, if you look at the way teams are constructed around the league, like in an ideal world, I think you want to be spending a lot of money on your top four and not much on the other guys. Yeah. The good news, I mean, I think with Sandine and Logren, it doesn't make sense to trade them. Like their their contracts are going to be so low. I mean, I think you just you play them another year where they're making like a million bucks, and you see how. I thought that both those guys made lots of strides this year. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't know what the upside is, but you bring them back and play them in in more difficult minutes and see how they do. Well, and the other thing is like. As we see every year, your team, how it starts is not how it finishes. Like if they get into the season and those guys, one of those guys struggles, both those guys struggles, and you need a top four defenseman or you need another defenseman, you just trade for one, right? Like you're not set, I guess. I guess you could keep, you could keep Hall and just trade Muzzin. And then you kind of have a better left-right balance, right? Because then you've got on the left side, you've got Riley, Sandine. What would your defense be then? So you'd have Riley, Brody. Sandine and either Hall or Lilgren. 
would be what you have. And then Giordano. I mean, you probably want Giordano and Lilgren on your third pair. So then that would leave you with Sandine and Hall. So that the question would be, do you want to do that? The only thing I would say is that the Leafs did look at trading Hall during the year. And what I was told is that it didn't look like they were going to get a whole lot back for him. No, and I don't think that would change now, right? Like you're, you're just trading him basically to get space. Mm-hmm. The attractive thing about trading Muzzin is that how much more space you would get. Well, and if there ever is a time to trade him, it's now. Like, especially especially after that series, right? Like, where, I mean, you, you could kind of go both ways on that, couldn't you? Like, you could say, well, why would you trade him after that series where he played really well? It's like, well, I mean, you're looking ahead and you're looking into the future. Is like, is, he, is that going to be able to continue? Is he going to give you value on that contract? Well, I think either you trade him this summer or you trade him next summer. I mean, I well, I'm just, I guess I'm just saying like it could be a lot harder. Well, I guess he'd have only one year left, but it, it might be there's harder. like no money. There's like no money left on that last year of his deal. I think after the signing bonus, it's like 2 million or something. Like yeah. I think the thing is, if you do, I, if you, and I'm on board with trading Muzzin, but they're going to miss him. Like it's not going to be, it's not going to be a loss that's easily absorbed. Yeah. Well, he plays such a unique style, but like you also have to consider like, are you going to have, like that best version of Muzzin that you imagine, can you count on having that guy? And I don't know that you can. And that's the scary part about like that contract and that situation. Like when he's healthy and playing well, he's good. He's unique, right? One thing that I've seen people talk about is like stylistically to the leave, if you lose Muzzin and you lose Hall, all of a sudden your your D is kind of small. Like do you, do you feel, yeah, it's like you don't really have the same elements anymore. Yeah. Well, you Who, could bring back your guy, the Bush. Who's playing on the? Yeah. Who's playing on the PK and Labushkin? I would, I would want to pay him a lot. So if he's getting a big raise in free agency, which he probably will, you know, if Tucker Pullman can get four years and two and a half million a year, then I would think some team's going to be like, oh, sandpaper. And you think so? Like I think he gets less than a million in free agency. Man, someone, someone's going to do it. See, like if I could. If I could, if I were them, and I could trade Hall, and then I could bring Labushkin back for like, I don't know, less than half of that, like that, I would do. Uh, Dan asks, I'll throw this one to you because I sort of answered it. Uh, should the Leafs bring Jack Campbell back if the price is reasonable? I don't know. That's something I need to spend a lot of time thinking through. It's something that's on my docket. I don't know. Like, I, what happened this year was not reassuring to me i guess is what i'd say how do you like how do you respond to that do you can you understand how i might feel that way yeah no i think that that's fair i mean it wasn't like a i thought he was solid i thought he was solid i mean the thing with a goalie like jack campbell is you really kind of require a backup who can step in and play well and win games and they didn't have that this year they they need a backup that can play 30 games they Maybe need like more. an like what like what Auntie Ranta is doing for Carolina. Like, you know, he's only making two million. Well, that Why was supposed the, to be Peter Mrazek, right? The Leafs need yeah. The Leafs yeah. Well, they tried. They tried and failed. But they need a goalie that that can do that. Is there any argument at all about keeping Mrazek? Or are he giving up on Campbell? I don't know. Well, yeah, right. Like you're not gonna, you can't pay. Well, both how much those can guys. you spend on? How much can you spend in goal? for the Leafs next year if you look at like what's happening with their cap situation like I think your max is probably like seven seven and a half million combined well what if you trade Muzzin and create some space yeah well you can spend that space on 
But do you want to spend that space on keeping Mrazek? Well, I, I guess the here's the argument or how I might make it is number one, to trade Mrazek, you're probably going to have to give something up. Or so, do the buyout. Or do the buyout. So like neither of those are like super great options. The other thing is like he can't possibly be as bad next year. But what if he is? Like what if well, what if he's hurt yeah. again all like what if you bring yep. him back and you dedicate four million to that and Yep, good point. And he I, I don't know. Like That's I just where think I was laying, yeah. Their season's too important to like risk like a big mystery box in net. But what if like What's the cost going to be to unload him? Like if, if Richie took us basically a second, what does it cost for two years, 3.8? I mean, like you could see like a team like Chicago, right? Like we'll just take him and eat it. Eat well, they've already face. talked to Chicago about including him in some kind of a deal. I mean, the question is like, you don't want to give up a first round pick to get rid of Mrazek. No, they can't you don't do want to give up like a great prospect either. Yeah. I guess you try and do it with like a second round pick. Like, I don't know, man. It's not. That's why the buyout, I think, is like in the picture, even though it sucks. But if you buy him out and you're not able to bring Campbell back, you got no goal. You got no goalies. Yeah, but there are some. There are some guys. I think if you're moving on from Muzzin, you would rather spend some of that money to like either get another good defenseman on the right side or or to help your forward group out a little bit. Or the the mockup of the cap sheet that I had in in my article was really looking at spending some more money up front, bringing in another like $4 million forward. But there's a number, di- number of different ways they could go with that. Yeah, I like that. And that was with keeping Gamble and like, and bringing in, um, and buying out Mrazek and uh, having a second goalie making about one and a half million. Now, I don't know who that's going to be, but sometimes the problem with a backup goalie is there's like a sweet spot where like, you got to spend a certain amount to get a guy who's like not terrible. Well, like one name that comes to mind is like Braden Holpe. Like what Braden Holpe? What's he going to get in free agency? Yeah, that's probably about right. But he's been kind of, his performance has been all over the place the last few years. I mean, like look at like every goalie is like that, aren't they? Holpe's except Vasilevsky. Except Vasa, man. <laughs> he's he's a monster. Vesnilevsky. Is there any argument? This is not, we're way off track, sorry, because I'm interrupting questions. But, like, is there any argument to using a first-round pick on a goalie and try to get, like, that? Or you no? mean drafting, drafting one or trading it? Yeah, no, drafting, like spending your first-round well, pick on yeah, the I mean, best goalie. I remember being at that draft when Vasilevsky was picked and he went 19th and people were saying, this guy's probably a top-five player in this draft. But people, you know, it's a Russian goalie and people didn't want to do it. If you know, you know. If it's Luongo or Carey Price or Vasilevsky, then go for it. You just have to make sure your scouts know because there have been lots of goalies picked that in the top 15 that didn't work out. Well, don't you think in some ways Campbell kind of turned the, the corner in some ways on that? Like changed the perception of taking a goalie that high or was he not the guy? Am I remembering wrong? Yeah. I mean, at the time he was like a star in the- Super duper the prospect. Nas- the, the national pro. Yeah. Yeah. They were a little bit aggressive, I think. I think he could have slipped more than that. But they, they were like all in on, they thought he was definitely going to be a superstar. Dustin wants to know, I'm going to throw this one to you and then sit back and watch you struggle with it. Okay. Dustin says, after Matthews and Marner got every cent possible on their first deals, is there any chance they'll compromise with their next deals? 
Both their contracts are both their contracts are gonna be coming up when they're still young and very, very good players. Yeah, I think so. Matthews will be well, how old will he be? Twenty so what is he now? He's twenty four. Seven. Now. Yeah, and Marner will be a year older. I guess if you do the eight years, maybe there's a little bit of give on the cap hit. I mean, the Matthews contract will probably, when it's signed, be the biggest contract in the league, I would think. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens with His McKinnon. Cap-head. What does McKinnon have? Two more years? Or one more year? One more year. I think he has one more after this one, yeah. So that will set the new bar. Like, that'll be higher than McDavid. And then Matthews will come in and, I would think, just shatter that. It's interesting, eh? Like, if, I mean, I I hate going this far in the future. It's, you know, I mean, Marner's deal is not going to be for three years from now. <laughs> But the Leafs have to hope that the cap goes up a little bit more than it has been. And that's it's possible that that'll happen. Right now, the league's trying to pay off the debt that they've got from the pandemic. Once they get through that, then the cap will start to rise on a more normal rate. But that could take another two or three years. So, you know, maybe by the time Marner's signing his deal, the cap is quite a bit higher and you're able to accommodate it. But, you know, if the Leafs aren't a contender in three years from now, then it probably doesn't make sense to be paying Marner and Matthews, both ridiculous amounts of money. Mm, I think it does. But anyway, that's a story for, that's a podcast in 2024. <laughs> if you're not competitive, then why are you doing it? Well, those guys help you be competitive. Why wouldn't they be competitive? No, but what I'm saying is if you're not a contending team, then you don't keep those guys. Oh. You, you like start the next cycle and you like find whoever's next. Okay. You, you, bring, you bring Lou back to tear it down. Yeah, he's done. Yeah. <laughs> he's left the Islanders in a great spot. Uh, Craig wants to know, do you think they could use some creativity to resign Cobra? Ilya Mikheyev. I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, there's a do? case to be made. I guess you go term, right? You could just throw a bunch of term at him, maybe. Well, a wise person who will know who I'm talking about when they hear this, if they hear this long into the podcast, made a good point that like there are a lot of good forwards available in free agency. He's not like right at the top of the list. Is it conceivable that he gets to free agency and the deals aren't as sweet as he thinks they're going to be? And he has to take less. It's just like, what is less? And like, what is it worth paying him? What is it worth paying him? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what, what's the low bar of what you haven't spent any time thinking of this. So I'm sorry for putting you on the spot, but I'm going to do it anyway. What's like the low bar of what you would think he would get? I think he will get three and a half for sure. With for term. sure, eh? Like, so I was thinking like two and a half would be like the low bar. No, I don't. I think you're underestimating how goofy free agency is. We'll see if I'm wrong, but there's like it all it takes is like two teams, right? Like it all it takes is all it takes is one team. There's teams with cap space too. Like there's teams with a lot more room to. You know, I think there's going to be teams like Seattle and Detroit, and there's going to be some teams that have cap space that are trying to get better quickly. Do you think the Islanders will just sign him for like six by six? Well, the Islanders' cap space situation is not fantastic. You know what I would try and do? The Islanders, I think, would be an interesting destination for Muzzin. That would be a team I would look at. Well, they do need defensemen, and I think they actually do need left defensemen. They need left defensemen. They do. They do. Yeah. What about... they? you're playing for, Chara there, right? For a goalie? Huh? Yeah, there you go. Varlamov for Muzzin? You did it. Done. 
that's going to be everywhere on social media as soon as this, <laughs> as soon as this gets published. Uh, so I don't know if they can do something creative with – you're right. I think what you do with McKayev is say, we really like you. This is the ballpark of where we can go. We can we could give you some term. Like if you want to do like a five-year deal, we can like give you whatever, three million something, three point something. And yeah, I think I'd that consider there, that, but that's there'd like, be something that would make sense. But I, I don't know that he's going to do that. And if you're him, you're probably thinking like, okay, even if I only do get three years in this deal, I can probably still get another good contract on the next deal after that. He's not that old. Well, and he probably wants to play higher in the lineup. Like he still ended up playing basically on the third line for yeah. majority of the year. Not like yeah, he, not major power play minutes. Yeah, he does. And I think if you put him with like really good players, I don't maybe. Know. Maybe he could produce more than he did. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure what he is offensively still. He got better, obviously. I wonder what he would do on the power play if you put him on a first power play unit with like really good players. How many assists do you think he had this year? Uh, was it like 14 or something? It's not like it's not a lot. He had 11. Now he only played 53 games. I don't know. All right, James, you got a couple more, and then we got to bounce. We're getting some repeats in here. Daniel thinks Matthew Matthew should be the captain. He says, why not sooner rather than later? Seems like that one gets asked a lot. I think it's going to happen at some point. I just don't know if you want to – it's going to be a circus when they do it, right? I don't know if you want to, like, create more distractions around the team right now. Yeah, but I guess if you did it the right way, like, you can say, like, this guy is the leader of our team. John is still an important. You just tear it off of the one guy's jersey at center ice on the, before the first game of the season. Is that the yeah, right way? Yeah, and then you stamp it on the other guy. I while, mean, it's been while, done. Like it's not playing, like that. While playing Hall and Oates at full blast. Oh, jeez! You make my dreams come true. It's it's not like it's not been done like in other markets. Like it's not. I guess that would happened. be the dreams coming true. No. You make my dreams die. So Connor wants to know, with Giordano resigned, could we not have Sandine play with Brody, Giordano play with Logren, and then find someone new to play with Riley? Uh, I'm not saying that's going to be easy, but that's the job of a GM. Yeah, so I don't think that's crazy. Who do you get to play with Riley? I mean, that, so that, so if you trade Muzzin and Hall, that's almost $8 million bucks, and you spend part of that on another defenseman, could be an uh, It's so hard to find right, right, right side D, though. Well, and especially the kind of right side D that you want. They want someone who's like a bit better than Labushkin, right? Well, I was just thinking like just back to the Islanders, like Scott Mayfield in some ways could make mm-hmm. sense for that. Mm-hmm. He's cheap. Yeah, that's interesting. Like that kind of guy, maybe? When he's only making like 1.4 or something for one more year. Yeah. I wonder if the Leafs should do more like Tampa, where when you target people in trades, you target guys with really cheap contracts that like you can fit in on your cap sheet really easily. Yeah, well, and, and target guys that are with, controlled younger, right? Yeah, with with yeah. Uh, is this the same Daniel? Daniel's got another question. Oh, it's a different Daniel. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with Jason Spezza? Do you think he's going to play again? I don't. So I think the more interesting question is. If he decides he wants to play again, do you bring him back? Because to me, that's more interesting because I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what you do. It's, I think it's such a hard thing because. I think what I would do, Jonas, too, is I go to him and I'm like, we're okay bringing you back, but 
there's a possibility you'll be with the Marlies. And there's a possibility when we put you on waivers, someone else claims you and you got to decide what you're going to do. That's yeah. what I think. I w- that's what I would say to them. Yeah. Is, I mean, like, there's a likelihood that that happens, isn't there? Like, it's likely, likelier than not, I think. I mean, it, it kind of scared me if I were them that it didn't look like in the second half and even in the playoffs that you can kind of play him regularly. Like, that's... I think that's a, okay that's in the a playoffs, w- but certainly... Sort of, like, I don't know. That's a that's a warning sign like that that he it might be time. I mean, you saw that with Joe Thornton, right, in the playoffs last year where it's like, this guy's done, and then he comes back and like... But I don't think Spezza looked like that, though. I don't think he looked as bad as Thornton did. But then again, they were playing Thornton on like the first power play unit and stuff, and I think I thought Spezza, when he got the puck, was still making the right decisions, and, you know, he's... The problem for the Leafs is they try and they, they're so tight to the cap that they don't even have room for an extra forward. Like if you could just have Spezza around making league minimum as an extra guy who played when someone was hurt, like that would be fine. But they, they're so tight to the cap that they don't even have room for that. Yeah. So the way to get around that would be as if you could send him to the Marlies and call him back. But then he'd have to like go on the bus and with the Marlies. I mean, maybe he'd be okay with that. But Yeah, does he want to do that? And it's like then you can get into those awkward situations like they've had where it's like then you you potentially have to expose, if you don't want to do that, you have to expose a guy who you don't really want to lose. Like that's, I mean, in in theory, like they could have kept like Michael Amadio, right? And you know what I mean? Like Lat or Adam Brooks or one of those guys and not, and I guess waived Spezza, right? Well, the other thing too is they got Wayne Simmons to think about as well. And like, I feel like yeah. Simmons is also going to be in a situation where. What do you do there? Does I like, Simmons have a no move? I can't remember. I don't think he does. I mean, you can... I think he has a no trade. If you have a no move, you can't even go on waivers, right? So... He has a no trade, according to Cat Friendly. Like, he's probably going to end up on waivers. So, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of situations for them to massage next year that are not going to be easy. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think with Spezza, I say, like, you have a role as the 13th forward, and for us on our team, with the way that our cap situation is, the 13th forward isn't always on the NHL roster. So do you want to be like Kyle Clifford, where you go up and down? Because that's the role we've got for you. Or do you want to come work in the front office or on the development staff? And then put that, that's the decision for him to make. Yeah. That's a tough one. We should actually spend more time on that maybe in the next podcast. Uh, if you haven't signed up for The Athletic, go to athletic.com slash leap report. We appreciate your support. Uh, I don't think we're going to record next week. I'm going to take a pause. Well, unless barring something happening, I mean, we're, we'll always do a podcast if there's happenings, but if it's pretty quiet, we might mix in a couple breaks here. Indeed. We well, should James, have some, we should have some guests on too. We haven't had some of our regulars on in a while. So yeah, if there's any guests you'd like to, to hear on it, if there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, let us know. Well, James, go back to your yard. Enjoy your yard work. Yeah. You got to come look at the lawn and drink a beer with me one day. I'll be like, yeah, good job with that. It's green. It's nice. I don't know anything. All right, James, we'll talk soon. Thank you for this.